The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Chad Pollitt, author of The Content Promotion Manifesto, getting the most out of your content marketing. And you're listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Chad Pollitt. We're going to talk about his book, The Content Promotion Manifesto, Getting the Most Out of Your Content Marketing. Chad Pollitt is vice president and co-founder of Relevance, a digital magazine, agency, and events company dedicated to content research, strategy, promotion, and marketing. The Relevance publication is the world's first online publication solely dedicated to content promotion, news, and insights. Chad is an adjunct professor of digital marketing at the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, of which he is a proud alumnus. Go Hoosiers! He's also the author of 51 Things Your Mother Taught You About Inbound Marketing. Chad has been included on top lists of marketing thought leaders by Forbes, the Online Marketing Institute, Analytica, and many, many others. He is a regular contributor to industry media outlets, including the Huffington Post, The Guardian, and Social Media Today. Chad is also a former U.S. Army company commander and decorated veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Chad, congratulations on the Content Promotion Manifesto, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Well, thanks, Doug. I appreciate that introduction. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, boy. And, and next time you ever you know, do a keynote, as I know you do, I'll be happy to introduce you for that, too. <laughs> sweet, sweet. <laughs> now you, I'll, make, I'll make them, I'll split the, uh, the, the honorarium with you. No, not at all. I just need to have <laughs> transportation and drinks. And if you can't cover the transportation, the drinks will be fine. <laughs> And I should add, you are the second U.S. Army veteran on the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, wow. The first was Lee Oden. Oh, yes. And yes, I know, Lee. You know him, and mm-hmm. so you've, you know, you've got the secret handshake going on with him. But anyway, this content promotion manifesto, I, I just wanted to read one excerpt from the very beginning, and then we'll get into this to your book. The days of publish and pray, delivering impressive returns by itself without paid and earned promotion is nearing its end. For many industries, marketing in particular, it's a long game. The amount of noise online has reached monumental proportions. As marketers and communications professionals, we're competing for attention in a sea filled with millions of daily articles, apps, cat videos, and memes. The content deluge is constant and unrelenting. It's only getting more massive, too. So, Chad, tell us the story about 
how this book came to be and why you wrote it, and, and as well as the external factors that led to the circumstances of which you're talking about in the book. Yeah, yeah, Doug. That, that's not a problem at all. So I, I really started doing what we now call content marketing back in about 2007, 2008. That's really when I started to blog heavily and create content for the web. And it was about uh, late 2009, early 2010, when I started to see that the the traffic, the levels of traffic I could drive by creating content was even greater than the SEO tricks that I could do. Because I came up in SEO in the early days where you could do lots of things to trick the algorithms. Mm-hmm and get pages ranked for whatever you wanted to get them ranked for. It was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would drive a ton of traffic. I had clients that I worked with and did all that. But um, it was around 2010 when I noticed I could accomplish the same levels of traffic by just creating content, not tricking algorithms. Mm-hmm. And then it was about 2011 when I realized that those tricks I was doing with to the algorithms – uh, they didn't quite work like they used to. Were they actually, um, in, in certain cases, hurting you? Um, not at this point, okay. no. But they weren't really moving the needle like they were. What mm-hmm. was moving the needle was creating the content. And it got to the point where at that at that stage, I was creating content exclusively for readers. I wasn't doing it for search engines. And when I'd create content, you know, I had my best practices, you know, make sure I include a primary keyword phrase in the title, you know, the basic stuff like that. But other than that, no, I was just writing for the audience. And yeah, essentially the the returns on that in, in the form of traffic and conversions were monumentally larger than what I could get from just tweaking little factors here and there for the search engines. So that's when I realized, wait a minute, something strange is happening here. This is a big deal. (laughs) And that's when I came out with, I I did a presentation. I was with Kuno Creative at the time, and I did a whole presentation, a webinar called Inbound Marketing is the New SEO, Facts, Figures, and Data. And a month after I, I, basically I presented a bunch of, data points that proved out this idea that, hey, if you quit doing all this manipulation to algorithms and focus on content, you can achieve more uh, than if you just mess with SEO, right? And wasn't that considered almost unbelievable to the SEO industry? Yes, I got a lot. There were fights on on Google Plus. There was a were you huge cast out fight. of the industry for saying that? No, no, not really. Because here's the funny thing: if you recall, Rand Fishkin of Moz started to um, take on this inbound marketing philosophy. Mm-hmm. So within 30 days of me doing that presentation, which by the way, I had we had uh, like 800 registrants and over 500 people actually showed up to the the presentation and uh, on SlideShare it got uh, I believe 43,000 views and this was back in 2011 mm. which is crazy but it was a month later that Rand he came out basically and said hey this inbound marketing thing is a thing 
and we as an industry need to start focusing in on it. So once he came out and showed his cards, it just uh, made what I had done a month earlier look even better. Yeah, I remember he spoke, uh, he keynoted at the 2012 inbound conference, as I recall. Yeah, he was one of the major speakers. And, you know, it's funny, he uh, he uh, promoted and endorsed our click-through rate study that we did when we were Slingshot SEO in wow. that presentation. Wow. Big home run in our world. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. But, but yeah, so because this basically what's happened is the search engines have gotten better. They, we, for many years, we gave Google too much credit, Doug, uh, that they were the um, know everything that's happening at all times and be able to connect dots and, and punish you and reward mm-hmm. you. And Well, the truth is, last decade and into this decade, their search engine algorithm sucked. <laughs> we we could manipulate the heck out of it. Yeah, I mean, they were still the probably one of the best competitively. Yes. But there were a lot of there were a lot of leaky uh, there were a lot of leaks in it. Yeah. So um, you publish the great content, and I already look upon those as the good old days. What's the problem now? So it was about 2011, I think, when marketing, especially internet marketing, as an industry hit uh, a saturation mark, an oversaturation mark in terms of how much content's being published because the secret had been let out of the bag. Everybody understood, you know, hey, uh, you have to create good content and you need to create a lot of it and you, that's what's going to drive your traffic. Well, the marketers were some of the first ones to get on board with that. So 2011 rolls around, everybody's doing it and that's when things started getting oversaturated. So if you think about it, Imagine waking up tomorrow, starting a brand new marketing agency, digital marketing agency tomorrow, and blogging from scratch, right? Mm. Um, What's the likelihood of you showing up in the search engines for some competitive keyword phrases? Well, I think the land rush is over. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you bring up land rush. I think – I believe Marcus Sheridan uses that analogy when he talks about it. Yeah, and I think you may have mentioned that in, in, in the book as well, which is such a great, I mean, so many great things from Marcus. That was such a great analogy. So you're starting from scratch as an agency or, you know, it's not just the marketing world where you talk about being saturated. There's a number of industries that are starting to get really saturated. Right, right. And and since 2011, I've seen that play out with clients. Mm-hmm. And Sure, there's probably some some industries out there that there, there's really def, deficits in content online. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, for example, marketing is in surplus. I'd say many, 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 most industries are in surplus at this point. Mm-hmm. But there are far and few in between. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a beekeeper, um, you can probably do content marketing and get lots of love and traffic from the search engines because I don't think there's a ton of content out there on beekeeping. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that would be an industry where maybe there's not a deficit or maybe there still is a deficit. Yeah, well, you know, the greater the niche, the better. I mean, it's funny, reading the book, I have one client who is an asphalt, they have an asphalt plant, they build interstate highways, they build roadways, parking lots, uh, sewers. And we've been doing some of the basic stuff for them. <laughs> They're crushing it. So there's one industry that's left where these guys are really, really doing well. Yeah. But most of them, we have had to move on to the next, 
the next uh, element here. And I think that one of the big takeaways from the book was that you uh, build it and they will come. Those are, those are the good old days. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty much over. So in the book, you talk about the need to promote your content or as uh, Jay Bear might say, market your marketing. And what can you can you walk us through what the some of the tactic the the main tactics are for content promotion? And I want to add for the listener, there's a graphic, a great graphic in the book, and I'm going to include that in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Yeah, Doug. So there's really three ways you can promote your content, and the first way that I'm going to describe is what everybody probably does already that produces content, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first is owned media promotion or content broadcasting, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. So what that is, it's essentially you create your content and then you share it on your social media accounts, your brand social media accounts, your personal social media account, wherever you might share it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's broadcasting. Uh, The other way to broadcast is you have an email list. You have a list of people that have subscribed or, excuse me, come to your website and downloaded something. And then you email them and tell them, hey, I got this great content. You should read it. Mm -hmm. So that's your content broadcasting or owned media promotion. And those are things you own. Yes. So those are channels that you control. So you don't necessarily own your Twitter account. Technically, Twitter owns it, but you have control and right. you can broadcast to your audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, those and these, are, and these are important things to do. And this used to carry most of the water, I would argue, but that's yeah. not the case anymore. Yeah. I mean, that used to be what everyone did. And because the search engines would drive the traffic that we, we needed. So, certainly, those, are, um, those were the channels. I, I call it create content, publish, and pray. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Which is what that is, because you're what you're hoping is that somebody sees it and and shares that, and then it goes viral. Yeah, and we're not saying you shouldn't still do those things. Right. You should definitely still do those, but as a business, you can't necessarily rely on the broadcast channels uh, to drive the revenue that you need to to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. If you're HubSpot, for example, and you've got millions and millions of people on your email list, sure, uh, by emailing your list, you could probably drive substantial amounts of revenue over time. Okay, I'm not. I'm saying for most companies, I mean, we've got a list of over sixty thousand, and it's not big enough to drive the revenue that we need to grow. Mm -hmm. Right. So, anyways, that's that's one channel. So that's owned. Yes, owned. And the another channel is earned content promotion. So basically, I call this content coverage. Mm-hmm. So w- what do I mean by content coverage? Well, if you look, if you open up your 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 PR toolkit, one of the oldest tools you'll have in that toolkit is simply called media relations. So for probably hundreds of years, people, politicians, companies, they would pitch brand stories, uh, they'd pitch product stories, service stories to the media. So to journalists, editors, people like that, hoping that they would get organic coverage for their brand, their product, or their service. Mm-hmm. Right? Like right in the newspaper, they write a story about this awesome thing this company's doing over here. Yeah. 
Well, in today's day and age, uh, you can do that still, uh, but you can pitch your content to the media. So, for example, we have written Media Buyer's Guide to Sponsored Content with lots of data points in it, lots of data and conclusions. And it's been covered by several major media outlets. And guess what they do? They link to the landing page. And people that read that article, guess what they do? They click over and they fill that landing page out, and we get an incremental lead. Mm-hmm. Right? And you um, did it for this book as well. Yes. <laughs> you, you, yes. You include that as a case study here. So it was really sort of meta, but it was really yeah. uh, uh, illustrative. Yeah. So and let me let me give your readers this example. And by the way, uh, media relations is just one tactic. There's several that fall under this bucket. But clear back in 2012, I pitched a writer for Inc.com, uh, an ebook that I wrote on uh, blogging. And the 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 writer, the contributor to Inc.com, wrote an article about my ebook and linked to the landing page, of course. And within two weeks, it drove hundreds and hundreds, nearly a thousand incremental leads for our company that otherwise we would never have received. Mm-hmm. And it was all because my ebook got covered. On Inc.com. So that's just one example of how a company can win at content promotion uh, via the earned media or content coverage channel. Mm-hmm. And there's even others like bylined articles and syndication and more that you've gone into great depth uh, in the book. Right. Let's, let's go on to, on to the third. Yeah, so the third is your paid media or what, what, how Forrester terms it is content distribution. Mm-hmm. So that's how Forrester coins the paid distribution channel of content. So when I talk about paid distribution, what I'm really talking about is more of your native channels. So I'm not so much talking about pay-per-click or display advertising. Those aren't good channels for top funnel content promotion, mm-hmm. like blog posts or eBooks. Those channels are better for um, mid to bottom funnel content. So things yeah. like case studies or um, actual products, mm-hmm. uh, those are, are good channels to promote. But they cost the same whether you're promoting a blog post or a product. If you're a company, what would you rather spend your money on promoting the product, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I don't include those channels, but things like your Outbrains, your Taboolas, your AdBlades, your Rev Contents, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Those are great channels. There's also what I have in there called a Native Newsletter. Mm-hmm. So this is, some people term this list rental. So this is me going to you, Doug, and saying, hey, Doug, your audience might be interested in my ebook. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, Doug, you've got an ebook. I'll promote your ebook to my audience if you promote and endorse my ebook to your audience. Sure, sure. And, and I see na- companies in our space doing that all the time where they're promoting each other. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then in some cases, you could do a monetary transaction. So I could go to you, Doug, and say, hey, Doug, I've got a little extra budget this month. I was hoping you, if you think this is a good ebook, if you would endorse it to your, your audience via email on a one-off and just say, hey, I read this book. I thought you guys might like it. And uh, then the incremental leads come pouring in and the traffic and new subscribers and all that right. other good stuff. And <clears throat> for the listener's benefit, sadly, there is no money uh, exchanging hands between the two of us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, uh, but uh, yeah, that is a channel and, and it can be wildly successful. Yeah. So you've got, and there's also like press releases, advertorials, native social. That's actually the longest list. And 
that seems like that third of those three circles that are sort of overlapping on the graphic, that's the one that's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and generally speaking, that channel is the least successful channel. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on, let me step back. It's not that it's not successful. It's as a, as marketers, we should never expect uh, similar results from paid channels as we get from the organic channels or the owned and the earned channels. Yes. The, the your click through rates, your 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 traffic rates will all be much lower. Yeah. And but it's like a fuel based. additive, you know, at some point yeah. you've got to add some <laughs> to your main fuel. Uh, yeah. to get this stuff going and now uh, and, and more uh, in the in the in the future. And the other thing we should mention is Mark Schaefer, who's been on the show, and he's the author of a number of very successful books, including The Content Code. He's the one that coined the term content shock from just yeah. so much content. I mean, like even in the course of I was I should have done the math. I think every minute there's some staggering number of blog posts that are published. Uh, yeah. and millions every day. So even in the course of this interview, it's just it's just gotten more and more. And and when he does a keynote, he talks about these things, and it really is mind blowing. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple other quick questions uh, that I just thought were really going to be helpful for the for the listener. Why is there more perceived content marketing failure than success these days? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at the 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 surveys that Content Marketing Institute does. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head on their latest survey, but something like 60%, actually it's like 67, 68% of marketers don't believe that their content is driving the results that they need. That, that, <laughs> not that it's, not, it's not driving their KPIs, Yeah. right? And there's a number of reasons that's the case. One of the major reasons is the whole publish and pray. You know, they're not spending the time, energy, and effort on content promotion that they need to in a world of of content surpluses in the, all these industries. Yeah, and I think I also hear that only about a third of them have a strategy, like yeah. a written stra- written strategy, which yes. is probably not helping. No, that's either. not helping either. But see here, so I, I'm not. Uh, so Joe Polizzi and, and Robert Rose and the Content Marketing Institute love them to death. They're awesome. I would, I think it's a little more, there's a little bit more to it than just having a strategy and have it written down. I would say creating content with a goal in mind and promoting the content via earned and paid channels, I, I, I say that is a strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm not saying that strategy is the only thing, but also, I mean, I, I think there's just a real struggle that marketers have uh, proving the ROI of content marketing when, in fact, they could be doing that a lot more than uh, other more traditional uh, outbound types yeah, of things. Yeah, for sure, Doug. And, and here's the thing. Um, based on my own research, and th- this is in the book, somewhere around, I think it's 15% of the time, energy, effort, and budget that content marketers actually spend on promotion. It's out of, so you take the pie of everything they do with content marketing, mm-hmm. and only about 15% of that is spent on promotion. And based on our clients and the work that we do, uh, we figured out that you need to spend 45 to 65% of your time, energy, and effort 
on content promotion, mm-hmm. not just if that. production. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, I th- I, that's probably an eye opener when you're giving talks about how they really need to up the amount of time. It, it's not the finish line; it's really the starting line once they yeah. once they publish. Well, let me ask you another couple of quick questions. What are some of the biggest content marketing mistakes brands are making these days? The biggest mistake they're making is they're not closing the loop between marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the problem with a lot of people in our industry. And I'm guilty of this, Doug, you probably are too. We're marketers, so guess what that means? Our heads are filled with helium. (laughs) Our heads are filled with helium, and they cause our brains to float up funnel constantly. So our heads are floating up funnel, and we believe that marketing is the savior to everything for a company. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's sales. If there's a problem in sales... Doesn't it almost doesn't matter what we do as marketers? It's all going to trickle down and hit that wall, and that wall, if it resides in sales, needs to be fixed. And when you have marketing and sales in silos, and they're not, and I'm not just talking connecting marketing and sales via CRM and marketing automation. I'm talking about creating a culture that eliminates the divide between marketing and sales. Because if you silo marketing and sales, you will never be able to prove ROI of content marketing, not properly. Mm-hmm. And then people will think that you're not doing a good job. And that's a major, major problem. It's not the only one, though, Doug. Yeah, I, I know one of the other ones that I think is going to surprise the listeners when they read this is you talk about more content is better. Wait, that's not true? <laughs> right, right. So in the age of build it and they will come, uh, clear back in uh, late or mid to late last decade into trickling into this decade a little bit. Back when we were kids, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Um, you, the, if there was a correlation between the amount of content that you published and the amount of search traffic you would get and other traffic, it was, there was, there was a correlation. I could see it in the analytics. So the race really was to create as much content as you could, uh, because you knew what that equaled, that equaled more traffic. And those days, you know, creating that much content today isn't always necessary. Uh, depending on the level, the the content saturation level of your industry. Uh, I'm fully happy with publishing twice a day, twice a business day on uh, relevance. And publishing 10 times a day uh, isn't in my my, uh, short-term plans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you'd asked me that five years ago, excuse me, six years ago, I just said, yeah, I want to get up 10. I want to get up 10. I want to get up 10. Yeah, sure. Well, Chad, there's one other thing you mentioned in your book, and it's the dirty little secret of content marketing. What is that? Yeah, so if you attend any content marketing events, you probably get this beaten into you. But uh, the idea of you know quality content is king, right? It's all about quality content. Yep. If you just produce the best content, uh, that's all you need to do, and they will come. Well, guess what, folks? That's not true. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not. If if that's true, Doug, explain BuzzFeed to me. Oh, I know. Yeah, this is why in the book you you say you know you you take them through and you say, well, what about these cat videos? 
<laughs> you know, some of this other stuff that that's not quality. And and even the Buzzfeeds of the world, I, they're 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 not they don't have some pretense about having the best quality. Right. They right. know what people want. Yeah. Ex- well, it, it's about promotion, Doug. Mm-hmm. And they have a strategy and they, if your listeners didn't know this, BuzzFeed is in bed with Facebook. (laughs) Facebook and BuzzFeed are bosom buddies and they get all kinds of beta access to new, um, uh, new distribution channels and things that Facebook does. And it's not just Facebook, they're in bed with some others, but yeah, they've got a strategy. This is kind of a clean podcast, so we want to. You know, <laughs> gotcha. so far. No, exactly, kidding. exactly. But uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's about those promotion channels, yeah. and yeah. it's about having a strategy that utilizes those channels and spending the forty to sixty, forty-five to sixty-five percent of your time, energy, and effort promoting your content. And it doesn't matter if it's the best content, because the best content that's not being promoted will be seen less. Than the the C plus content that's being promoted like crazy. Yeah, and it brings to mind, you know, many many years of product marketing where you there's no shortage of companies that didn't have the best products, but they did extremely well because they knew how to promote them. Yeah, and it seems like the same thing with the content. And there's one other thing you talk about at the end of the book that I thought was really interesting and. I thought about it when you said, you know, we all go to a conference or we learn about content marketing and they drill it into our heads about you know, quality is, is really the most important and it is important, but it's not the only thing you need. And you talk about how a lot of these people that are, well, some people who are writing books and talking at these conferences who I admire and you do too, a lot of them got their start uh, when the land rush was on and they yeah. really were able to have great success by build it and they will come. Yeah. That's Absolutely. not the case anymore. No, no, it's not the case anymore. Uh, so I came in at the tail end of the build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually, I was rewarded a little bit in in that. Now I'm not commanding twenty five thousand dollars speaker fees. Well, and after this like interview, that. you, you probably will. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah. But 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 yeah. So I saw some of the benefits of that myself. But for people just now coming up, uh, it's it's going to be much more difficult for them. It is, but I would argue it's going to make them better marketers. And the same has applied to you. Yes, and that that is exactly what I was going to say. So for what sure. doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I guess we both had heard that enough in the in the army to the point where. I, I guess I have to buy you a beer now just for saying that. Um, <laughs> so, Chad, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Well, the one thing I want people to understand is, you know, you have to promote your content. And that if you don't embrace content promotion and you don't hit your KPIs and you don't measure your return on investment, uh, eventually you're not going to be given the money to do content marketing, right? Your budget's going to dry up. Mm-hmm. Uh, your content creators will get demoralized uh, that they're creating content that's not working, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to spend the time, energy, and effort on promotion and promoting your content that you produce. That's the biggest takeaway. It's no longer a build it and they will come world. Yeah, I was going to say if the listeners have read 
four or five content marketing books. Don't read another one. Read this one <laughs> because this is not talked about as much in some of the content marketing books as it, as it has been. Although uh, Mark Schaefer's book, uh, the content code goes into this quite a bit. And I think this book and that one are great companion pieces. Yeah, for sure. And I actually wrote a page or two uh, about content promotion for Mark in that book. Oh, and I he, didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's got me in his book, which uh, was awesome. Uh, yeah. I jumped at the chance. Yeah. Are there any recent marketing books that you'd recommend for the listeners? Yeah, so now I, I've read The Content Code, obviously. Um, it's a great book. Uh, it's a but, badass book, don't you think? Yeah, it's badass for sure, the acronym. And you have to read the first 40 pages to find out why it's badass. And listener, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Won't tell him either. <laughs> so actually, you know what? The last book I read was not a marketing book. It was a sales book. Mm. And all marketers need to read sales books too. because Absolutely. If you don't, that helium will build up in your head. And you're just going to be stuck up funnel in your thinking, and you got to get rid of that. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the book I that I just finished reading not too long ago was Predictable Revenue. Oh yeah, and Aaron uh, Ross. Yes, Aaron Ross. He talks about how they built the Salesforce sales engine, and it's a it's a great book. Now, tactically speaking, there's some things in there that I, I would update for us. But overall, the book is fantastic. Yeah, and he's got a new book coming out, and he's going to be on the podcast before long. And I actually read Predictable Revenue not too long ago, so that is a great recommendation. And there's this expression. I had, I've had i had a couple of great authors on the show written books about sales, uh, including Mark Roberge from yeah. HubSpot, who was head of their I have sales. His book. Great book. And um, you know, some another fellow said, well, it's the Marketing Book Podcast. Why do you want sales books? I said, I don't... I don't think marketers can get enough sales books. And marketers can learn more about marketing from sales than they can from marketing, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's <laughs> totally necessary. I've, I think I own more sales books than marketing books. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. So are there any uh, new marketing books you're looking forward to reading? Uh, yeah, so I've got um, uh, Joe Polizzi's uh, newest book, and I also have Content Inc. Yes. yes. And I I Damn. also have Jay Bear's newest book. He hug your haters. He sent me an early copy. Oh. He's gonna be on the show soon. I haven't gotten my copy yet to read before the interview. Yeah, and I I, I need to get that read. I've been on vacation this whole week and I, I planned on reading both of those books, but boy, vacationing with kids, it's hard to get the reading in. Yeah, yeah, boy. I, I, when my kids were smaller, I couldn't wait to get back to work so I could catch up on sleep and you know <laughs> all the other stuff. <laughs> so, uh, how can listeners best find out about more about you and the book? Certainly. So the the book, believe it or not, is is totally free. I can't believe you're not charging for this thing. <laughs> and and I could actually. It's it's a hundred pages of some some good stuff that yeah. will be very helpful to you marketers out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is free. You can just simply do a search for content promotion manifesto. It'll be the first thing. You can go to relevance.com. It's all over the site, so you can find it there. Or you can simply go to chadpollitt.com and you can download the book there as well. And we're going to have links to all of those on the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com as well as a link to the straight to the landing page. But it's really worth a download. Now, your other book I saw is for sale on Amazon about inbound marketing. So 
Yes, yes. Uh, 51 Things Your Mother Taught You About Inbound Marketing. And it's a play on Leave It to Beaver style moms and and telling, uh, giving lessons on life. <laughs> well, we could, we'll include a link to that as well. That's, that's a great one. So let me wrap up with a final quote. For the majority of marketers who believe their content marketing is ineffective, it's wise to embrace content promotion before content creators get demoralized, budgets dry up, and content marketing gets a bad name. Now is the time. The name of the book is The Content Promotion Manifesto, Getting the Most Out of Your Content Marketing. The author is Chad Pollitt. Chad, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's my pleasure, Doug. Thank you. And that closes the book on the 57th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast, which I'm really honored to say has been named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and marketing guides. And while there, be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you love the show, please do me a favor. Open up a browser on your phone or computer and type in love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That's love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That will generate a pre-formatted tweet with a link to the show that you can share with the world on Twitter. And you'll get a personal thank you from me for spreading the love. And please join us next time as we talk with Scott Stratton about the book he has co-authored with his wife, Allison Kramer, Unselling, The New Customer Experience. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Basically, it's going to be Chad Pollitt week Sweet. Uh, <laughs> at the Marketing Book Podcast. You'll what know a, it when it happens. So. What a boring week. <laughs> <laughs>